Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses and the do-it-yourselfers that like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, in fact, many of our listeners, like me, are all of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we help you at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And as I also like to say, Google it, you'll find it. Check us out on networks such as iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us serve more business creators just like you. And you will get fresh content every single week delivered directly to your app. And you'll get immediate access to over 260 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators today. We are going to have some fun on today's episode. Over and over again, I find out that networking is basically the bane of people's existence. I personally, and I've said this before, I really can't stand networking. It's like people will see my name badge in the event, and they'll walk up to me, and they'll kind of stare down and point the badge and say, oh, so what do you do, Adam? Like, okay, at least you got my name right. (laughs) I don't know what kind of conversation opener that is, but we face it all the time, and since I've been making the rounds here more and more lately in the Las Vegas area with some of our recent speaking engagements, I've been getting a lot of those types of questions. And it's like, how do you deal with it? That's one of the reasons I'm particularly excited about today's topic. The actual title is How to Triple Your Clients in Half the Time. And the foundation of that is networking, as we will learn from today's guest, whose name is Virginia Mooskies. Let me tell you a little bit about Virginia. She is known as the referral diva, awesome, and she's the owner and chief connection officer at Master Connectors, excuse me, Master Connectors Incorporated, and she's an executive director of BNI Mid-America. She has more than 30 years' experience teaching six-figure businesses and solopreneurs how to build sustainable and profitable companies. I'm so excited about this topic. Referrals are built out of relationships, and that requires people to like and trust you. That's why Virginia believes that learning how to create and leverage that social capital is so crucial in business building and business creating. Her numbers don't lie. Virginia's methods grew the contact service division of a nationally known education franchise from zero, revenue-free, to 2.5 million solely via word of mouth. So if you are starting a company, if you're looking to take things to the next level, but you don't have all kinds of money just laying around to do advertising, This is definitely the episode you need to pay attention to and lean into. Get out your pad of paper. Get out your two pens. And I always say get two pens because one of them might run out of ink or break, or if you're like me and you have your cats running around the office, Princess Alessandra will sometimes take my pen in her mouth and run off with it before I have a chance to stop her, right in the middle of an interview. Today, Virginia shows over 1,400 entrepreneurs how to redirect their time and money spent into non-productive networking into leveraged word-of-mouth strategies that produce measurable improvements in their ROI. She's also the host of Passion Plus Purpose Equals Impact. That's a podcast 
which has been downloaded in over 30 countries. All right. I'm a podcast host. You're a podcast host. That makes two of us. Come on in, Virginia. The weather's fine. Woo! Hello. How are you today? Fantastic. And for those of our listeners who are currently opening a separate tab in their browser, looking up Master Connectors Incorporated and you trying to learn more about you, what I'd like to do before we dive into the topic is just sort of take a step back and ask you as our esteemed guest a little bit about your personal or business journey that's brought you to the intersection of your brilliance and passion serving business creators. So take it away. Oh, gosh, what an, what an awesome question. Well, listen, I've been a teacher most of my life. Um, went to college as a Spanish teacher, taught at an all-boys boarding academy. If anybody wants to know about that, it costs you a cocktail. Um, <laughs> what it's like to be a 22-year-old girl teaching 17-year-old boys, right? Like, it was great. Um, I was so, a 17-year-old uh, boy once. I know what you're talking about. I'm saying, right? Um, I, yeah, I had a well, team, you know, we're, we're, like, we're real here, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like five years older than some of these kids. It was pretty funny. So one of them looked me up um, just a few years ago, and he's like, oh, my God, you're still a hot Spanish teacher. I said, well, I'm still hot, but I don't teach Spanish anymore, right? (laughs) And then I realized I didn't want to know. Like, you know what? I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to know what you boys were thinking at the time, right? So um, went on, did my Ph.D. studies, and um, really interesting, one day um, this gal came up and she said, oh, my gosh, if you sign up and I sign up, Julie will win a car. And I was like, well, God forbid, Julie should have to ride a bicycle to work. So I signed up as a Mary Kay beauty consultant, but my goal, one goal was to never sell anything to anyone. It's the only goal I've ever missed because I quickly became the number one sales, sales consultant in the St. Louis area. Right? Right. So like, my goal was to do zero, and I ended up you know, earning bumblebees and seven diamond rings and the use of three company cars. And it was all really good until it sucked. And um, I really learned that, um, you know, there's selling and there's relationship building and team building requires relationships. And I, I wasn't really good at that at the time. And so um, my attempt at being a Mary Kay sales director ended in abject disaster. And um, I had to go get a job. And I applied for a job with a, with a nationally known, a local franchise of a nationally known tutoring company and um, the owner said, gosh, with your direct sales experience and, and your education background, you'd be perfect for this. So I went and I interviewed, and it was like the center that he gave me was a really prof- reasonably profitable center, but it was 40 miles from my house, and the highway that I had to drive on was under construction. So it was bad. And I had two little girls at home, but I had to do what I had to do. And um, he said, this is going to be really easy. I make the phone ring. You convert, sell. It'll be great. And that's totally awesome, except the phone never rang. And so I wasn't commissioning out. I wasn't making the money goals that he had promised. And I went in and did what every self-respecting salesperson did. I went to his office. I sat down, and then I cried. I can't do this. I'm sucking. You know, it was bad. (laughs) And, you know, because that's what every businessman wants is a sniveling 30-year-old mother of two in his office, you know, whining. But anyway, so um, he said, look, you're an entrepreneur, and I know you have it in you, so let's do this. There's this opportunity. It's called No Child Left Behind. It's up and coming. It's been in the area for a couple of years. We're a nationally known um, company, and all these mom-and-pop shops have money. And they're capitalizing on the opportunity, but we are getting 
nowhere. Like we got nothing. So how about you go create that? And here's like your really lucrative money deal. So I was like, okay, I'll go do that. So he has a, a an MBA from a really prominent school uh, in Canada, and, and his expertise is like media buy, you know, like radio, TV, billboard, magazine, newspaper right. placement, that kind of stuff. So he's like going at it, throwing all this money at that stuff, and we get like nothing, Adam, like nothing. And I'm like, what is wrong with what is wrong? Well, here's the deal: we were a brand that the market, right, the target audience had already decided, quote, unquote, wasn't for me. It was the expensive brand. It was a luxury brand. It was a brand that wasn't for them, so they weren't going to bite on it, right? So we had to do a lot of market education. So um, when I was selling Mary Kay, I had joined a B&I chapter, and the gal, the gal who owned it, who was building it with her husband, became a mentor for me. And I called her on the phone and yet again cried, I can't do this, right? Because I'm really a crier. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, and she was like, oh, right. honey, just use these B&I skills that you learned and, like, apply it over there. And I'm like, of course, right? Just apply skills that you have to a new situation. So... I go down, this is funny, I go down to the the inner city and I, I'm using my direct prospecting skills that I learned in Mary Kay. Hi, I'm Virginia. I'm with this tutoring company. I'd love to tutor your kids. And they were like, yeah, right, whatever. So I was like, okay, that didn't right. work. So then I started thinking, well, how does the B&I thing work? Well, other people tell their friends and family and their connections about you and then invite you to call them and do business. So I got wise and I tried to figure out like, okay, who are the people that are serving the kids so in other ways so I can go teach them? And then I started partnerships with them and I diverted all of that marketing budget to a philanthropy budget. Okay. okay. So every dollar, instead of buying billboards and buying radio ads and doing all that ad spend, I bought backpacks and pencils and workbooks and lots of um, paper plates and utensils and diapers and formula, whatever. We started in East St. Louis, Illinois, and there are four housing projects in, in there, and each housing project had a community center. So I partnered with those community center directors, and I was like, what do you need to accomplish your goals? And I provided as much of the resources and the manpower and whatever it would take to make that happen. And then year over year, um, those folks introduced me to other folks, and by the end of the fifth year, we were serving, um, let's see, we were in nine schools, no, 55 schools, 2,500 kids. I mean, it was huge. We were in like nine or ten school districts um, serving lots and lots of kids. We did two and a half million, and the vast majority of that had been returned into the urban environment in the form of philanthropy and wages for the people that we hired inside those communities to help us deliver the the product and the service. So what I quickly learned, which really informed how I do business, is I realized that we would only get paid out on lucrative contracts because every school district had a different contract value, and you could only charge the, the maximum you could charge was the contract value. So I was like, well, do your research and find the find the high-dollar contract values and try to do the biggest concentration of your business there. And then, by all means, do a little Rob Peter to pay Paul so you can serve other districts. Um, but you had to go where the where the money was, right? 
And the other yeah. one was we got paid out when people showed up. So I was like, I want third graders. I want third graders. You know right. why? They're they're cute. They still love school. It's daycare, so mommy isn't gonna. Mommy's not coming to get them. They're they're gonna they're gonna be there after school, and we could get the best results because they weren't. They were the least far behind. They were the closest to reading at grade level, so we could get really good results. The other benefit of it was when I was just saying like, hey, just refer families with third graders. It enabled all those all those referral partners that I had to be partners with other tutoring companies that could give them more backpacks and more pencils and more stuff, uh-huh. right? So they didn't have to give up all their other relationships to partner with us. I just wanted the third graders. Now, did we tutor fourth graders and fifth graders and middle schoolers and high schoolers? We sure did. They were all the siblings of the third graders. So we that's how we ended up doing it, but it was by getting really niche, creating some really cool partnerships, training those partnerships to to give me what I needed and only what I needed in the way that I needed, and then I kind of took it from there. So um, I then I started looking at which of these referral partners were giving us the most revenue, and then I was pouring the proportionate amount of marketing revenue back into them. So if you were a if you were a $100,000 referral partner, you got $10,000 worth of value. If you were a $1 million sure. referral partner, well, you were getting $100,000 of, of value, right? So that was really how we did it. And from there, that whole success just, I was like, man, there was a system there. there. There was a system in it. And then I started teaching the system and refining the system, and I've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people implement their the system into their business to the point where I run into them. I hardly ever see them anymore because I work myself out of a job with them. But I was just at a networking event the other night and somebody came up to me and said, I would not be where I am today if I hadn't figured out how to find the money to pay you to work with me five years ago. So that's the, that's yeah. the story in the nutshell. Wow, very short story too. Let me tell you, <laughs> just by listening mm-hmm. to that, we can learn. We can learn so much, which is fantastic. And what I'd like to do now is I'd like to really kick this off with a bang and get into networking problems. What are some of the sure. most common networking mistakes that you see? Uh, selling, selling. Because what okay. most people do is they're not really networking. They're not really going to connect or establish relationships or solve problems. Their mindset is, I got to go in this room and find a customer. Right? And that does right. happen because we know the cold calling percentages are like two to three percent, right? So when I was doing Mary Kay, I built my entire sales or my entire sales business cold calling out of a phone book. And I'd get 97 right. hang ups, and three people would be like, serendipity, I needed stuff and couldn't find my person, right? So you can go and do that or. You can partner with people and you can go into a room and say, hi, what brought you here today? Why did you show up today? What did you come here to get? Who do you need to know? Who do you need to meet, right? So if I walk up to you and I say, oh, wow, Adam, what brings you here today? That's a really different question than, hi, who are you? Yeah, hi, what do you do? Right. Yeah, let me just share something. I don't care what you do. Yeah, I'm already feeling lighter in, in my shoulders just thinking about this because I mentioned at the beginning of our 
time here together, I go to all these networking events, and people look at my name badge, and they see my name and my title. And this is one that really, really got on my nerves. Uh, and this was when I joined our Rotary chapter. I when I when they first asked me what to put on my badge, I said, okay, what am I? I'm a consultant. Okay, so they put down consultant. So that led to a lot of people walking up to me, sort of looking down at my name tag, not even looking me in the eye, pointing to my name tag and saying, uh, what kind of consulting do you do, Adam? Uh, Adam, that's right. You know, and my usual answer is, right now I'm consulting on my salad. Because, like, that doesn't, ex- that doesn't excite me. What am I, what, what, what I going to do? Am I going to talk about how we're going to come into your company and do an audit when we haven't even been formally introduced? Are you kidding me? I, I don't want to get into that. So the change that I made there, and I've shared this on other episodes as well, is after my book came out and became an Amazon bestseller, I had the title on my name badge changed to Author Speaker. Now that opens up a little bit of a different conversation because I love telling people about the book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. And hey, if uh, you need somebody to come speak or train your organization, I'm your guy. So I'm happy to talk about those topics. But to your point, I would love if somebody came up to me and said, hey, what brings you here today? Because that opens up an actual conversation about, you know, who are you? What motivates you? And it gets the person to open up. Another, another thing that I find sometimes when people ask me what do I do is I try and turn the conversation around and make it about what do they need. Because, you know, to me it doesn't matter what I do. It matters how I can serve. And I need to know how I can serve. I need you to tell me that. And I find that it's easier to turn that what do you do question around to, you know, what do you what you know what brought you here, what needs do you have when there's already an actual conversation taking place. And to me the question what brought you here is a much better opener. It is. I mean, it, because what brought you here lets you tell me what you need and now I am in a position for solutions. Which brings me to the next mistake, okay, which is eventing. Eventing. All right. It's going to event after event after event and uh-huh. surfing, right? Like like looking for those two or three people that will buy. You want to buy my stuff? You want to buy my stuff? You want to buy my stuff? You want to buy my uh-huh. stuff? I leave there. I go to the next one. You want to buy my stuff? You want to buy my stuff? It's, it's, it's that endless eventing and it's not even an Olympic event, like this amateur eventing, right? They're just going to think that yeah. they've got this network. They're, they're sort of mile wide, but they're an inch deep. And so that's why they never get any fruit because they're not digging any roots. So I tell people, look, pick a few organizations that you want to really belong to. One of them should be an association where you're like becoming kind of a, what do they call it? An affiliate to an association where your clients or your or your best centers of influence hang out. So, like, if you're a mortgage right. lender, being an affiliate of the Council of Real Estate Agents makes a lot of sense, right? right. If you if you're but if you're a mortgage lender and you have a particular program that's really good for Navy veterans, then go hang out. Then go join an association for Navy veterans. Go where the people right. that you want to serve and solve problems for hang out. That's one. The other one is join a local chamber and become a something. Get on their board. Be an ambassador. Run an event. Create your own small circle. 
that is that where you're going to bring together the kinds of people that you want to know and do business with, but belong, go to everything, be a fixture, be someone who when like when when everybody shows up, they're like, well, if you want to find Adam, that's where he, he hangs out at the XYZ chamber. That's where you'll always find him. So that people right. know that you're a, you're a, a part, that you're a giver of, of your time and your energy and your talent in that way. And then um, finally, hang out with uh, your COIs, where to all of your centers of influence. So hang out somewhere where your clients hang out. Hang out somewhere where your centers of influence hang out and join a local chamber, a local rotary, a local whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat in terms of what your, what your purpose interests are and hang out with those people, but do something. Do, show off your expertise in a, in a contributory way. If you're a great leader, be a leader. Be on the leadership team. If you're a great cook, run the pancake breakfast. If, you know, if right. you're a screen printer, help with a golf tournament, whatever it is, you know. Be be a yeah, member, a, yeah. be a joiner, yeah. surfer. Yeah, there's a niche for just about everything, and I I know what you're talking about. Uh, I I mean, as I go around, I find I get to the point where I'm meeting a lot of the same people over and over again. That's actually telling me, do I need to be at all these things? I mean, because where's my return on investment? Here's another thing I run into. My, when I go to events and functions, like let's say I'm going to a conference, I want to go to a conference where there's about 100 people in the room, maybe 200 people in the room. Put me in there for two days, I will own it because I can find the space to make those connections. But if I'm going to some mass event that has like 5,000 people and it's so big they've taken over an entire hotel room and they have, or an entire hotel rather, and they've got five sessions running every hour and you're running from here to there and you're getting one-tenth of what your ticket value could be and you're constantly fighting through jam-packed hallways to get where you need to go and hopefully get a seat on time. I don't want to go to those things because Mm -hmm. to me, it's just very hard to make those connections. There's a particular event in the industry that I play in. They always say, man, you're going to be at this event. You got to be at this event. If you want to grow your business, you got to be at this event. Well, I'll tell you, I've been to that event three times. The first time I did great with it and I got clients out of it. I made friends out of it that are actually part of my current tight circle. The reason being is because when I got there, there was a group of people I already knew, so I had a home base. So, you know, as we all attracted people, we could introduce them to each other, and we built our own little network there. The last time I went to it, everybody who I knew was supposed to be there, well, they uh, they just couldn't make it at the last minute, and I'm stuck there by myself. I got so melted down over it, I just left. Wasn't I mean, because I, I, I couldn't do it. And this, to me, is a networking problem because when I share this story, they say, oh, come on. You had 5,000 people there. You couldn't have met somebody. Well, when you're in that situation, no, you can't. If the vibe is not right, the atmosphere is not right. And one of the tactics for getting success at those events, and this worked when I did it in 2015, is if you know somebody who's throwing a party, in fact, a friend of mine through a party the day after the event where he had about 75 of his uh, closest associates there. And that's where I got a lot of my work done in terms of making connections. And I told him that, and he said, yeah, that's the reason I did it, because there's no way you people would meet anybody in that giant arena, so I bring the best of the best together. Which is a great tactic, right? Um, so there's, there's yeah. yet another, um, another opportunity, because be a, ho- be a host, not a guest. Yeah, 
if you went, yeah, if I, you're I like gonna that. like, here's, listen, you want to you want to meet people at an event and you don't know anybody, stand at the bottom of the escalator with a map. Do you Go know on. where the bathroom is? Do you know where Hall B is? Do you know where this breakout session is? Mm -hmm. Be a freaking expert on how to get where you're going in the convention center. And uh -huh. really, and then, right? And then somebody says, oh, do you know where Hall C is? I want to learn about X, Y, Z thing. You say, um, yeah, Hall C is over there. In fact, if you wait a second, we can walk together. Go up the escalator, walk them to the room, say, hey, it was really nice meeting you. Can I get your card? If you don't like them, don't ask for their card. Yeah, go, right. go, be, a, go be a concierge, man. Like do something that is of service to others. And in those big events, what is, this, the, what is the one thing that sucks all the time in those events? You don't know where anything is, and there's never yeah. any good signage, and you have no idea where the hell you're going, and you're walking around <laughs> like, a, like a chicken with your head cut off, you can never get anywhere, right? So, you know, be that guy. Be the guy who knows where everything is. If you're going someplace and you don't know anybody, stand by the registration table and help the people at the registration table find the name tags. Because guess what? Don't you always go to those things and the registration table is swamped and there's a line and nobody can find it, <laughs> right? Like, just be of service. Be of service. And, I, and I'll tell you something else, and this is going to get uh, you know, it's going to get a little bit candid here. That doesn't just happen at arena events. That happens at events where you only have fifty people in the room. Like uh, I have a client I have a client who hosts seminars around the world, and his seminars are usually fifty to seventy five people. And one of the things we had to work on to help make that function more effectively is just simply knowing who to expect because he himself being a concert networker, he'll go to the city three days in advance and he'll go to functions. He'll meet a bunch of people and he'll say, hey, just come to my seminar. Uh, oh, it's uh, oh, you know, it's $300? Yeah, bring the cash. Just bring cash. Very simple. Or we have a card reader there. And give this password and the people at the table will know that you're somebody I sent. Well, the problem is you have a whole bunch of people walking up to the table giving a bunch of passwords. So what we implemented is you go ahead and invite whoever you want, but as soon as you invite them, you send a quick note to the person who's keeping track of the registration saying, this person was invited, they're bringing cash. This person was invited, they're paying at the door. So we have all these names and passwords flying around, we know who they are. So to your point, chaos can happen in even smaller events, and sometimes even especially smaller events where you have more of that family feel to it, and procedures sometimes get set aside because, hey, we all know each other, or the host invited me personally, or anything under a pear tree. Yeah, well, and there's two ways to look at this, right? So on the one hand, one of the ways that I, um, when I do events, we've got so much advantage right now because of social media, Adam, that what you do is you go, hey, Adam, welcome to my event. I put you in this Facebook group. Post here who you are, what you do, and what you're hoping to get out of the event. And you get all these people yeah. posting on social media. Well, now they're all connected, and you've got a community before you even hit the, before you even hit the ground, right? So that's one way yeah. as an organizer. I know I, um, I, I love the, the new media summit Steve Olsher puts on, and he does actual yeah, training great. calls before people, like before his event. So people can get on a training call. Not only can they get to know each other, they can get to know him, which, uh, you know, which is good for him as well. Now, as, yeah. a, as a participant, again, 
anytime you can go to a go to an organizer and say, "Hey, do you need an extra pair of hands? Hey, what can I do for you? Hey, I'll stand here and sell books. Hey, I'll you know I'll." I was writing out name tags at some event that I went to. They're like, oh, my gosh, can you can you do name tags? Or I've been, do you want me to get pictures of people? Like, what do you need? And they always need an extra pair of hands. But that puts oh, yeah. you in a position of host, not guest. And you get to meet people and talk with them and have a little conversation. And, hey, what brought you here? Hey, what, what brought, brought you, you here? here? Hey, why yeah. are you here? What are you trying to get? What are you hoping to get out of this weekend? What are you hoping to get out of this happy hour? You know, that's a really good one. Um, and, and the other answer that I give people a lot is when people say, what do you do? It was the best answer. I pulled it out of my backside one time, and I said, I don't know. I just kind of introduced the people I meet to the people they need to know. Who do you need to know? And the person okay. said, apparently you. Apparently you, <laughs> right? And I thought, oh, I'm going to use that more because he wanted to know all about me. He started asking me all these questions. I've never gotten anybody more interested in me then when I say, oh, I'm just here to introduce people I meet to the people they need to know. Who do, you, who do you need to know? What are you here for? What do you need to know? Which goes back to why are you here? What brings you here? Yeah. I'm going to be a problem real, solver. That's really good because here's another thing. Folks will sometimes go to these events because they heard that somebody they want to meet is there. I have heard of people spending $997 on the ticket plus the flight plus the hotel, plus the disgusting travel food, plus the five days away from their business, just so they can hopefully meet this one person. So imagine if you're in a situation where you say, oh, I don't know, I just, I'm just here to introduce, uh, introduce the people who need to meet people, the people they need to be connected to. And what if you know that person they were looking for? You've just maximized their return on their entire investment. Absolutely. And, you know, how about say they want to meet somebody that you don't know. You say, you know what, I don't know them yet, but give me your business card. And if I find them or anyone like them, I will make sure I put them in touch with you. Wow, that's that's really powerful stuff. Okay, um, here's this. I'm going to go kind of interject here a little bit. And this is a listener submitted question. This is something that's hotly debated. And I have an opinion on this. I'm not going to say what it is because I want to focus on your thoughts on it. And it's an opinion that I re regularly go back and reconsider, but I keep ending up at the same answer for various reasons. Uh, what is better, to have a card of your own to hand out or to collect the other person's card? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so here's my rule of thumb. Um, I – Let's just talk about people giving me cards, okay? If I want someone's card, I'll ask for it. Give me your card. If they just hand it to me, it goes in my left-hand pocket. If, it go, if, they, if I ask for it, it goes in my right-hand pocket. Okay. All right? People in my right-hand pocket I, I follow up with and say, I'd like, to, I'd like to invite you to a cup of coffee. When can we get together? Uh, please feel free to call me, text me, email me, or if it's easier, here's my scheduling link. You can pick a time that's convenient for you. Whatever works for you right. works for me. Can't wait to get to know you and see how I can be of service, period. The okay. people in the left, people in the left, I connect with them on LinkedIn, and I send them yeah. a message. Oh, my gosh, Adam, it was great meeting you. Would love to have a cup of coffee with you sometime. Hit me up. All right. Of the I people that are in your coffee, left. But I don't, but I'm with you. Okay. 
eat lunch. But I, I just say coffee. But, you know, you could come back and be like, I don't drink coffee. Let's do a beer. You know, whatever, right? Yeah. But, hell, hell yeah. But, uh, well, now I'm throwing out. I've got these people that pushed themselves on me. And now I'm going to make them jump through a little hoop because I didn't ask for their card. Frankly, I, was, I just wasn't that into them. But I'm going to go do a little research because I used to be arrogant enough to think if you gave me your business card that I didn't ask for, I would just throw it in the trash can. And I have a feeling I missed out on some pretty hot opportunities with some pretty cool people by, because I didn't know who they were. So um, now I kind of take it and I do a little research, right? And you can actually off, you can off that, offload that to a secretary, a virtual assistant, whatever, who can do that LinkedIn work for you. But if they message you back and say, I would love to have a cup of coffee, then step two, I use a scheduling tool called Acuity Scheduling. And in Acuity, you can actually attach a, like a questionnaire before somebody can get to your schedule. So those people yeah. get the link that's attached to a questionnaire that gets to a schedule that says, hey, when we get together, what's your objective? What are your biggest business challenges? What are, like I ask some questions. And then if they, a lot of, then what happens is somebody that doesn't really want to get together with you, like they just wanted to sell you something, they don't want to jump through all those hoops. So they never schedule because they get turned off by the questionnaire. But people that are really interested in knowing you, right, they will, they will fill out the questionnaire. And um, two of the most important questions. One is, what are you hoping I can contribute to you? What do you most contribute to others? Wow. Because when you answer those questions, I have just set you up to have a a meeting of the minds in which you and I are going to contribute and solve problems. Wow. This is really taking a lot of things that people run away from and standing it on their head. I mean, I made the comment that I don't like coffee because – I'm thinking in perspective of, well, if I meet somebody for an hour, that's actually three hours out of my day, and i got people who have already paid me waiting on the line while somebody picks my brain for free. Now, what you've just done here is you've educated the educator, so to speak, and you've shown us a new way to manage that to let your own process be the screening tool. I love this. I'm a big believer in online schedulers because I believe they actually bring us closer together. They cut out the what I like to call the humanity of the middle person. And what that means uh-huh. is if you're relying on a human being to manage your schedule, here are some of the things that come up. That human being may have an off day. That human being may miss an email. That human being may not be keeping up with the thread. Plus, now you're interjecting another living, breathing organism who you hope will respond quickly while our schedules and our day plans continually fill up and change. And you have cases, and this is the reality, Maybe your human gatekeeper has some unannounced baggage about that person who's trying to connect with you, and this Mm -hmm. is the way they're going to pay that person back by, you know, not outright being mean or being an obstruction, but just sort of slow playing a little bit and adding a little bit of flame to the hoop that they need to jump through. And we don't want that. Whereas with the connector, with the, uh, the scheduler, what I like about that is, no, and I say this to my clients, I say this to the general public. You never have to ask me, when can we talk? When can we meet? In fact, I don't want you to ask me that question. And if you try and press me on it, I'm going to say I don't know. Go to schedulewithadam.com. There, there's my schedule. Find the earliest mutually convenient time. But what I'm probably going to end up doing is adding a couple questions to that based on what you just shared with me. And I, I think it's going to be a lot more effective for how we all get along together. 
Yeah, and I think one of, there's you asked you you know we were kind of talking about networking mistakes. Now we're kind of we're kind of moving out of the the networking event scene and moving into the networking coffee scene, right? Or the networking. I, listen, I don't I don't really enjoy happy hours because people get stupid after a couple of drinks and it's pretty unproductive to me. So I tend to yeah. shy away from that. But um, the coffee meeting thing um, is really. For me, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive those meetings, Adam. To what's your objective? Like when we get them. So if you and I were gonna mock one of these up, right? Hey, Adam, thanks yeah. for meeting me for coffee today. I'm really excited to get to know you. Um, by the time we have 45 minutes here today, tell me how will we know we had a really productive hour together? Uh-huh. When we get done, how will I know? How will I know that I was that this was a really productive hour for you? Right. And this is when we're sitting down and we're meeting, if I, if I understand correctly. Yeah. 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 So, so we've, I'm so so we've already jumped, you, jumped through all yeah. my hoops. <laughs> yeah, we, we've already jumped through the hoops because – and part of the reason it turned me off the whole day, the idea of the in-person meeting is how many times did I think that they wanted to uh, talk about being a mutual service, but then out come the brochures. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Right. And then I'm going to say, would it be okay with you, Adam, if I told you how I would know that this was a really productive meeting, what I want to get out of the meeting, would that be okay too? So that's my first thing is I want, I want to know what you want. And I'd like to share with you why I chose to meet with you. And I literally use those words, Adam, here's why I chose to meet with you. I don't meet with everyone. I chose you. Right. And here's why. So I'm going to tell you what I want from you. Does that feel comfortable for you? Uh You have this knowledge. You know, you wrote a book. I, you know, Adam, I read your book, and because of that, I was really curious about these three things, and I wanted to get together with you today so you could teach me about A, B, and C, and I'd like to contribute to you in this way. What would you like to learn from me, and what, kind of you can, what can you contribute back, right? Like, like let's have an uh-huh. honest conversation that we're getting together for mutual contribution. And I think that having an agenda and how will we know we had a productive hour together is great. The other agreement that I get at the beginning of a meeting sounds like this. Adam, I'm so excited that we decided to meet together. I've got two kind of ground rules that I always set. One is this is a meeting of mutual contribution. Here's what I want from you. I'd like to know what you want from me. And I want you to know that I'm not here to buy your product or service, nor am I here to sell you anything. What I'm Uh hoping Uh we can do is learn about each other's businesses to see if there are any mutual opportunities or doors that we can open for one another. And if by chance at the end of this conversation, I'm curious about becoming your client or you're curious about becoming my client, let's set up a sales appointment for that. Is that mutually acceptable to you? Oh, see, I really really like that because what I was going to ask next is, Okay, so you lay these ground rules, you set this agenda, you create the mind frame within which we're going to converse, and then if that person kind of slipped through your net by answering your pre-screening questions the way to get you into the room, but then out we're going to come to brochures, well, this Uh kind of lets them know that uh, if you were planning to ambush me and show me your multi-level opportunity or show me uh, your mastermind program, that that's not quite how we're going to do it. However, there is room here for you to tell me about your mastermind program within this specific frame. And then if one of us has an interest in the other, we have a mutual interest, we'll have a separate meeting that's specifically about how do we invest. Exactly. 
Okay. So, so somebody, so stages. somebody's really, yeah. So somebody's there, and all they Sorry. really care about is hawking their wares, and uh, they're of the mindset that unless the person's talking about buying, it's not worth it, they can just say sorry and leave. Most people won't, but yes. I right. mean, they have that opportunity, but you accept the police. And, and I believe that the biggest mistake we make is we go into these coffee meetings and, like, we want to get business done, but we don't have an agenda and we don't have right. an objective. But if you and I were working, let's say you and I, Adam, are working in the same company, right? And there's a business meeting, there's a meeting in the company. Isn't someone in charge of the meeting? Isn't there an agenda to the meeting? Isn't there a, uh, isn't there a you know, a thesis, a thesis, an experiment, and an outcome? Like, there's got to be some sort of, like, what is it that we're hoping to get? And I think when you kind of set the fleece prior to getting there, so you've asked those questions, they've answered those questions, and then you, tell, and then you set the no-selling rule, um, a lot of times, listen, I've had a lot of times when I've said to people, I'm not interested in buying, I'm not here to buy. But I get done, and their business is so sexy that I want to be their I'm like, I totally want to be your client. So now I, want, now I want to do your sales process. Now I want you to take me through your sales process because I think, you're, I think what you're doing is really hot and sexy, and I really want to, I want to check it out. So it's yeah. really that setting the – setting the fleece and setting the tone and setting the objective. I also want to offer you this, this thing about if I go for a cup of coffee, it takes three hours out of my day. Um, what, I, what I suggest to people is do all of your coffees on one day, sit in a restaurant and do breakfast and lunch at that restaurant and, and stack up your people. You give a list, you give your list of guests to the server, to, the, to your server or to the hostess, and you say, when this person comes, just bring them on back. And, oh, and, you know, I've people... been in that situation before. I've been in that situation before. I know what you're talking about. I never thought of it this way. Uh, a few times I've gone to in-person meetings and it was at a restaurant or maybe a coffee shop or what have you. I'm just showing up. But it looks like the person I'm meeting has been sitting there all day. Because you can tell when somebody's been sitting there a while. All this stuff's out of their bag. Just the posture in their chair, the fact that uh, you see a couple empty glasses around and maybe there's a plate of food that's already been consumed. You just know they've been there. Yep. That, I mean, yeah, I could do that. That way, yeah. Oh, and by the way, wherever you choose, make it 10 minutes from your house or 10 minutes from your office. Don't be driving all over town for just everybody. So the only people I drive all over town for are the people that I, um, uh, well, quite, like, I think they're better than me and I'm sucking up to them. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like seriously, yeah. you know, Ivan Meisner comes to town. I'm not going to be like, yeah, Ivan, come to me. I'm going to be like, hey, Ivan, where are you staying? I'll go to you. And I'll drive an hour and a half. Right. To, he's in the St. Louis market. I'll go see him, right? And he's a friend. He's a friend of mine. And I would never say, well, if you want to talk to me, Ivan, you got to come to me. I would never do that, right? Bob Berg is another right. one. I would never do that. So um, oh, you know, yeah. when there are people that have more prestige than I have, they're more accomplished than I am, they've got bigger networks than I have, you know, I'm going to decide more or less, am I, do I want something from them or, or, you know, is this somewhere where I can contribute to someone else? And I think that's a really big part of deciding, but, but man, you know, most of our meetings were either on equal footing or somebody wants something from me. And, and so I think it's, it's really, it's really kind of important that you know kind of where people are. So I know we're, we're going to be coming up on time. And there is something I'd really like to share, if it's okay, 
about Go moving people through a process. And that is yeah. that every, just, networking is like dating, okay? So when you meet somebody, you don't marry them the next day, or, or you shouldn't, okay? You, you meet you them. But I know and maybe, yeah. Yeah, right, I know. But let's, let's talk about the, using logic. Let's think with our logical brain on this one. All right. <laughs> you know, you meet somebody. They're an acquaintance, right? Then you want to take them out on another date. And you want to get to know them as a person, right? Well, a business date gets you to the level of what I call associate. We become associated with one another. I learn a little bit about you, your personal background, your professional background, some things that you're passionate about, what you've accomplished. And then I start to get a feel for whether or not I want to, I want to know you and want to hang out with you and do life with you and have you in my inner, even anywhere near my circle, let alone my inner circle. So then I'm going to make a, a of an, someone that's at the associate level, I'm going to say, hey, this is really great. I'd really like to introduce you to some people that I know at my BNI meeting, at my chamber meeting, at my association meeting. I'm going to invite you to go somewhere with me, and I'm going to see if you'll do a something for me, right, to give me a little more visibility, to introduce me to some people. When we exchange those introductions, then maybe we're going to take a little further and we're going to become advocates for one another. That means I'm going to learn how to talk positively about you. You're going to learn how to speak positively about me, and we're going to give each other some, I really like this guy, low-level credibility, right? Adam's not yeah. an axe murderer, and he wrote a really interesting book, right? Okay. I'm going to promote something easy about you. The next level is, hey, I'm, I want to do business with accountants. They are really good sources of referrals for me. Could you introduce me to your accountant? You want me to introduce you to, I don't know, bankers. So I say, yeah, I know about, I know some bankers. I could introduce you to bankers. So now we're going to start doing business at that center of influence level, and I call that ambassadorship. That's when my, my referral relationship becomes an ambassador relationship. It's people inviting me into their network or taking me to a foreign land, if you will, right, representing me in a foreign land, in a foreign network, a network that I'm not fully networked in. And they're going to take me there and talk to me and, and vouch for me, right, and create mutual arrangements and trust for me in there. And then um, when you're doing when, – when you're networking with someone whose clients regularly need what you have, for example, CPAs and bankers, right, and, and estate planning attorneys – Every one of their clients they needs a banker and an attorney. So that sure. becomes kind of an affiliate relationship. And, um, you know, there's that notion in the information marketing industry. We talk about affiliate partnerships or joint venture partnerships where you're, where you're um, paying, you're rewarding people with cost of client acquisition. You know, in a, in a referral affiliate relationship, you're just referring one another around your clients. You're, you're, you're taking a client and being a full service provider for your client of, you know, if you don't have an attorney, if you don't have a banker, if you don't have a business coach, if you don't have a marketing person, I've got the person who, and let me introduce you to my, my guy. And, and so it, these referral relationships, I think the other, um, the other um, problem with, that, we, that we encounter or the mistake that we make is we rush those relationships. Ivan yeah. Meisner calls it pre premature solicitation. <laughs> right. Right. It's it's you're going too far too fast, and it always ends up bad. So uh, it's really about getting to know the people as a as 
as people. And then to the point of, um, tw- you know, doubling your clients in half the time, what you really want to do is you want to develop those ambassador relationships where people are moving you up the relationship chain faster because they're trusted already. So if you're talking yeah. to me and you're like, hey, I need an estate plan, and I talk you up or I talk up to you, Carol, and I say, listen, Carol is my attorney. Here's why she's great. This is what she does for me. I mean, she's got all my business. She's written a will. She's done a trust. She's done the powers of attorney. She's done this. She's done that. She's really timely. Um, she's got a great personality. You guys have, I don't know, surfing in common. Uh, right. So I have already moved you all the way up probably to advocate ambassador status without having you having to go through acquaintance associate, right? Because yeah. I transferred all that trust. So that's how you double your relationships or your clients in half the time. It's by having other people transfer the trust for you. So you don't have to work so hard. Yeah, that is very, very interesting. You've answered so many of my own questions in that because I felt that way myself where I've met with somebody and it's like, wait a minute, we've, we've known each other for like 30 minutes and now you're already selling me on this. Uh, and what that tells me is maybe there was a misalignment between their impression of how far things had come versus my impression of how far, far things had come. Maybe they had moved me into an echelon that I hadn't joined yet. Yeah. And so rarely, again, I'm going to go back to the dating metaphor, okay? If you're out dating and you're kind of on the bar scene and someone moves too fast, you just say, hey, whoa, back up. Like, I'm not, whoa, no, I'm not ready to go there yet, right? Right. Like, you just, or, or, and if they're persistent and relentless, you're like, you just get up and you pick up your drink and you walk away because you're like, wow, no. Like I said, no. Right. And it doesn't matter which way it's going. Okay. Like whether it's the guy and the guy, like it doesn't matter who's being relentless here. Right. So the point is, you know, um, it's really valuable to say, Hey, Virginia, you know what? I'm really not ready to open up my network to you yet because I don't feel like I know you well enough. Could I ask you a few more questions? Could we play around a golf? Could we, you know, something before we go there? I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to open up my, my book of business and show you who I know yet. Right. And, and we, it's okay to have, to have that. But I, I think having a plan and having a progression and kind of knowing where people fit in and having a way to get people there is, is really important and having a system for that is is really how networking becomes a marketing effort for your business instead of a way to waste time. Yeah. This is this is really good. And for everybody listening, if you're listening to this live, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes so that you can listen to this again and again and again. Very important. And also make sure that you have been jotting this down. You've got to go back and listen to this again because you've gotten some great word-for-word things you can apply here, and we've had a lot of things demystified. It's, it's actually shown me a few things about some opportunities that I may have been missing just based on my impressions of what people commonly see, and I'm recognizing now that part of it had to do with their approach, granted, and part of it had to do with my response to it. As I say to people 
all the time. You really can't control who people are. There are two things you can do. Is you can control your reaction and what happens in your space, and you can show people a better example and encourage them to follow it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, this all what matters most is that you are prepared with a plan and a system and that you understand how to respond to bad networking, how to respond when someone's trying to sell you when you've specifically said, I don't want to be sold to right now, which is, you know, the, all of that, having all of those, um, all of those plans in place and systems in place. And the last mistake that people make that really messes up their networking and causes their networking to be highly unprofitable, not profitable, is failure to follow up. You know, I often talk about the stack of shame, which is those business cards that you have on your desk and they pile up and then you put a rubber band around them and then you like shove them in a drawer. And then one day you open uh-huh. up a drawer and you look in the drawer and there's all these little people there going, but you said you'd follow up. Like, I think it would be a hilarious PSA, right? Commercial on for what we do because we've got this drawer of shame and we never follow up with these people. So if you're going to ask for someone's card, if you're going to network, if you're going to use word of mouth to create value in your life and in your business, you've got to have a plan to follow up. And I have a three-step plan. I've got a free gift for your listeners. It's at masterconnectors.com forward slash follow up. You can download the faithful follow-up guide. It's my purposeful proactive three-step approach for staying in touch with the people that you meet and turning them into friends and advocates and ambassadors. And everything you need is in there. All the tools that I use are in there. Everything you need is in that follow-up guide. But doing everything we've just talked about in this hour and then not following up, you just wasted every last bit of energy, effort, and knowledge that you've you've acquired by not creating, maintaining, and nurturing the relationship. Yeah, and I think I think that there's a couple reasons why people fail to follow up or fail to nurture the relationship. One of which is they themselves just get so busy they can't. And uh, it's a whole separate conversation how to answer that question because there are answers to that. And that has to do with things like outsourcing. It has to do with leverage. It has to do with systems. So a lot of our listeners may have some insights on that already. And I think another thing that comes up is just a lot of the, I'll I'll say it, there's fear of people getting into uncomfortable situations. And what you've shared with us over the past 54 minutes, it looks like, is really a process for getting out of that so it doesn't become a scary thing, so it becomes a fun thing. And by scary, I mean you find yourselves in uncomfortable situations with people where you're not in alignment with where each sees the relationship and you're concerned that you're going to get sold or that you're going to feel like maybe you're wasting somebody's time. And then sometimes you get this other thing. Now, you mentioned at the very beginning when you were a uh, a Spanish teacher and you were 22 years old teaching 17 year olds that somebody would owe you uh, somebody would owe you a, a cocktail to get the stories about that. Well, I <laughs> one of my first jobs was working as a recruiter for a temporary staffing firm, which I found out really quickly is actually a sales type thing. And mm-hmm. if you want to know if you want to know about why the company I worked for uh, was 
proactively making it impossible for a person to do their job and why it was I was almost a legend in that company because I managed the last for eight and a half years. I mean, eight and a half months, rather, eight and a half months. Uh, you owe me an entire bottle of Glenlivet, and I don't even normally drink. But suffice it to say, I'll just give you, I'll just give you, I'll just give you uh, two quick examples. Like uh, was a, I was a temporary staffing recruiter, so I'm looking for people uh, who want temp jobs. Great place to find those folks is at job fairs. These are people who are looking for jobs who probably need money right now, um, and it would be helpful to have something on their resume while they're lo- looking for their next full time position. And we were discouraged right. from going to those because the people who owned the company thought that we were going to go to the other companies and try and get a job. Okay, well, that's short-sighted. Very short-sighted. How about making it so fun to work for me that you would never leave me? How about that? Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't really part of the messaging, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as I said, it required that's a whole, a whole other interview. That's a yeah, whole other is. interview. It is. Yeah, that has to do with corporate sure. culture. That has to do with your own head trash. It has to do with overcoming your paranoia because hey, somebody went to a job fair once and ends up working for one of these companies. Well, guess what? That happens. And it's not a reflection yep. on that person. It's a reflection on what you put in their mind before you sent them there. Uh, also, well, or it's also just a not a fit, right? Yeah, that, that could or, be it, too. It could be a lot, of, a lot of different things. But, yeah, and sometimes we see that with companies, actually, where they discourage their people from getting involved in organizations because they think it's going to take away from their job or it's going to – uh, cause them to go work for the competition. That was a real big thing, go work for the competition. So I see a lot of companies say, well, we don't even want you to belong to your Rotary chapter because we think our competitor is a member and you might end up working for them. Like, come on. If, you, if, you're, if you're a great company, that shouldn't even cross your mind. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, yeah. again, whole other conversation for a whole other day. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And we're and we're at the end of ours. So let's just say one more time. What is that thing you're offering us? You uh, came to us bearing gifts, which is great. Tell us about that one more time so our listeners can go get it. All right. It's my faithful follow-up guide. It's at masterconnectors, plural, masterconnectors.com yep. forward slash follow up, all one word. And I yep. got to tell you that um, – my whole system, everything I just talked about right now is in the works in a new book that's coming out um, soon called Referral Alchemy, and yep. it's the uh, proven formula for turning your network into gold, and that's going, to yep. be, that's going to be living on revupyourreferrals.com forward slash ebook. So Very good. Um, you will be able soon to download just the first chapter, and then the the rest of the book will be available for free in a PDF download um, soon, pretty soon. We're just we're finishing it up, and it's it'll be soon headed to the editor. So if you go to that and you get some random yep. 404 error, try back because <laughs> we're just, All right. we're working on it All now. Right. Very good, very good. So Virginia Moosekeys, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you so much, Adam. Have a great one. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.